Blog Talk Radio. Hi there, I'm Mary Eileen Williams at Feisty Side of 50 Radio, and this show is a celebration of baby boomers who are embracing life as we grow older. Plus, if you're a grandparent, you know what a treat it is to share a book with your grandchildren that's lively, colorful, fun, and educational. Today's show is my third in a series from National Geographic Kids Books, and this one is truly exceptional. The book is entitled Weird But True, Know-It-All the Middle Ages, and I'm thrilled that the author, Michael Bergen, is joining us to share more about this amazing read. Michael specializes in writing books about history, current events, geography, and science for children. He wrote for Weekly Reader for six years before going freelance, and now he's also added the title of Playwright to his name. There's so much to find out about you, Michael, and the Middle Ages, so welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Well, I do want to get right to the book, but what interests me, like I said, I'm going to focus in on you for a minute, Michael, but how did you become a children's book author? And tell us a little bit about what drew you to writing for that age group. Uh, it was a total unplanned thing. I always knew I was going to be a writer, um, and I was uh, looking for a job, and I found I was uh, at my, my college's um, you know, career office, whatever, and there was an, an uh, internship at Weekly Reader. And I, if given your audience, a lot of people probably remember Weekly Reader. It was a classroom periodical. It came out once a week, and it brought the news to kids at different grade levels. So I worked there for six years, and that's where I learned how to write history and social studies for kids. And so when I started freelancing, it was natural to, to be looking to write books for kids. Um, so it wasn't something I was planning on, uh, but I, I, I think it was a very good career decision. I think it's been, it's been a good niche for me. Great, and then yes, and, and of course I remember. Except for back in the day, it was Weekly Reader Book Club. I don't know if they've changed their name or we just abbreviated oh, we, it. Or... No, we we had a book club too. Yep, that was we had both. There was there was the magazine, and then there was the book club. Yes. Oh well, well I do recall those finally. Oh, that's right, because a book would come every once in a while. But yeah, in school we got magazines. That's well, hey, you know more mm-hmm. better than I do, and my memory's <laughs> a little iffy these days. But speaking of about memory, <laughs> the Middle Ages, and I have to say, in, I'm no longer in midlife, but I just say late, late, late midlife. <laughs> but <laughs> it's uh, the time period has always been kind of romantic to me, but uh, not so much so. There were some weird occurrences that took. place place during that time. So tell us a little bit about uh, the book and some of the surprises we might find inside. Well, the book starts, um, we transition from the Roman era into to the Middle Ages in Europe. Um, so we, we start the beginning of the Middle Ages at 476 and goes for roughly a thousand years. So it's chronological, but within the chronology, we, we jump around the world to uh, the different empires and dynasties that were rising and falling. Uh, It's definitely not Eurocentric. And we also then have spotlights on different facets of life, whether it's clothing, housing, food, art, um, and then there are profiles of famous figures. So we cover a lot of ground. (laughs) 
Well, you do, but also I have to say I want to compliment you because sometimes, you know, like people, oh, history's so boring. No, not in this book because you bring out <laughs> some truly amazing facts, which I love. And I know you've talked about this with a number of people because it's so astounding, and I had no idea about the Viking practice of playing tug-of-war. So just to give our listeners a preview of some of the things they can find and their children will enjoy, or their grandchildren will enjoy. Yeah, that was, um, and that was actually a fact that I, I got from another National Geographic book. You know, that's one of those things of working with National Geographic. They have so many resources. So uh, evidently when two, two groups of, uh, of warriors would, uh, sometimes I've read it both that it was used as a training exercise or as after they've lo- uh, looted a town, they would, there would be a tug of war over a pit of fire. And so the losing side would end up in the pit, and the winning side would would claim either the losing side's goods or all the goods from the town that they just looted. So uh, either way, you know, winning is always good, and you'd come out a little richer, and of course, losing meant you've lost your life. Oh, my gosh. And the other two is that this brings me back to elementary school, talking about Wiggly Wiggly, and then they would pick people for their team. Can you imagine thinking for the, uh, the, if you were a Viking playing on the tug-of-war team, you'd have to be very careful who you selected for your yes. side. Yes, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I probably well, wouldn't have been picked. I, <laughs> I, yeah, me either. <laughs> well, another of the facts that's really, really fun is a little bit you mentioned, uh, I believe, medicine when we were talking about some of the uh, different areas of focus. And some of the mm-hmm. medical practices and medical potions that were prescribed at the time were rather, uh, let's just say, interesting. Yeah, I know um, there was one that was called... Um, well, it was called St. Paul's Potion, and one of the ingredients in it was called dragon's blood, although it wasn't really blood from a dragon. Um, it was from a, a, a red resin found from a tree in parts of Africa. But the, the potion did call for the using actual blood from a cormorant. I can't say it, cormorant. So there was, there was blood involved, and this was supposed to treat um, an upset stomach, among other things. And then there was another Ooh, one with... We- um, Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, I think it would give me an upset stomach drinking yeah. blood, but oh well. Okay. That's right. Well, but it also had um, licorice and fennel, which I know are supposed to be good for uh, digestive issues. So it was, oh. I guess, maybe that kind of counteracted the uh, the animal blood. I don't know. But then there was also uh, one medicine, one doctor who used the heads, cut off the heads of uh, dung beetles and crickets and fried them in oil, and then he pounded it into a paste, and that was supposed to... Um, help get rid of uh, kidney stones. So whether it worked or not, I don't know. Oh, well, see, all these kinds of things, I just know I, grandchildren, maybe even little little boys might even like it. Well, I don't know. I was going to say better than girls, but I, you have you have things for both sides. So, uh, And another thing, too, and before we, and not a boy or a girl, but tell us a little bit about naughty animals and what they could be expect when they were when they were living in the Middle Ages. Well, in parts of Europe, uh, an animal that was, say, damaged somebody's property or damaged a person, let's say a, a pig escaped from a farm and then and, and could cause havoc, uh, they could be put on trial. They actually went, you know, in the courtroom and there was a jury. Oh, well, I shouldn't say that. I'm not sure there was actually a jury. I mean, the, the sources are a little vague about the details, but they were put on trial and, and could be found guilty, and in which case I'm pretty sure the, in modern times the sentence was execution. So that was uh, you didn't you didn't want to be a you didn't want to be a law-breaking animal. 
No, and I wonder if people specialize in in being a lawyer for animals. I am a donkey yeah. lawyer. <laughs> you know? That's right. <laughs> well, obviously this book is filled with fun and fascinating and very weird facts. So tell us a little bit about the research process, uh, process for you. You mentioned finding out some of the things from other uh, uh, National Geographic kids' books, but it must have been a blast. How did you do this, kind of, find these things? Uh, well, I used I actually had some books on uh, medieval history from my days as a student, so uh, I used some of those, although you know not very current. So a lot of research um, online. Of course, you have to make sure you're using good sources. So it's usually like uh, academic libraries or museums. There's a magazine um, out of England called History Today that features. Uh, the writers are all college professors, and they a lot of them really got into the minutia of, of different parts of life. Again, you, usually focused on Europe, but sometimes beyond that. So it's, it's really drawing on a lot of different sources. Well, and I'm thinking for you as the researcher slash author, when you get a good, like a gem, like, you know, at Dragon's Blood or Animals on Trial or something, you must have gone, yes, this is going in the Oh, box. yeah. Oh yeah, I mean I know which ones my editors are gonna are gonna love. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so it must have been such a fun. Well, unfortunately, we only have a minute left. So, is there any final thoughts you have, Michael, for the for us grannies and grandpas about uh, sharing this book with our grandchildren? I, well, I, I would say that you know reading it with the kids is is probably going to be informative and entertaining for the grandparents as well. At least I hope so. I mean, a lot of the times you know we use puns and jokes and. They might go over the head of an eight or nine year old, but I would think that the uh, the, the 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 grandparent would would appreciate them. So I, I hope that maybe they'll read them read it together. Well, I am up for that for sure, Michael. This has been such a delight. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Hey, well, and I love your delightfully weird fact gathering skills. <laughs> so I want to mention that. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and for all of you listeners out there, especially you grannies and grandpas, do check out Weird But True, Know It All, The Middle Ages, because your grandchildren will laugh out loud while you learn a lot, and you'll be laughing too because it's an often overlooked time in history, and it's a lot of fun to read the book. So until next time, this is Mary Eileen Williams at Feisty Side of 50 Radio, saying I'll catch you later. Bye-bye.